couldn't help them far away And we'll have to run this race As long as we should never underestimate Someone who knows his place Unlike Tom Gully Ooh, Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What is your motto here? Boys, inform on your classmates. Save your hide. Anything short of that, we're going to burn you at the stake? Warriors, come out to play. You all talk big, but who here has the guts to stop me? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Ladies and gentlemen, and children of all ages, prepare for entertainment. It's time for the Tom Gully Show. And now, here he is, a very special man, Tom Gully. That's right, I am Tom Gully. There's Really no getting around that. I've tried. Hey, uh, we've got a special weekend edition today. We're going to be talking to author Deborah J. Pilardi and her book, Sweetie, How Much Should I Give You Give How Much Should You Give Up to Keep That Relationship? I can answer that. She'll be calling in about eight minutes. I have to share the show around the internets. And uh, for that reason. We're going to stop that music, and I'm going to play a friend's song, like I always do normally during our bonus content exclusive YouTube pre-show, and uh, instead, I'm going to play a song by Jay Johnson, uh, the late, great Jay Johnson, my good friend, and it's called Deep in the Heart of Texas, while I share this to the various networks. Enjoy. Deep in the heart of Texas, a campfire whispers softly in the dawn. Morning coming on, footsteps of a fawn fall behind his mother in the quiet of the trees. Deep in the heart of Texas, shelter in the breeze Deep in the heart of Texas The lightning runs the distance of the skies Burns a mother's eyes Drowns a baby's cry Clutched against her Safe within the shelter of her arms 
Deep in the heart of Texas The thunder keeps you Texas, a siren kills the silence of my sleep. This trouble on the street brings me to my knees there beside my brother lying quiet on the floor. Deep in the heart of Texas, a good time takes one more Deep in the heart of Texas A lover steals a victim in the dark And puts a truck in park Kisses on the mark A trembling hand Wipes another teardrop from her face Deep in the heart of Texas, the magic takes its place. Deep in the heart of Texas, the magic takes its place. Okay, that particular song continues with various additional lovely melodies and heartfelt lyrics. Uh, but I'm expecting a call in three minutes, so I stopped it because I can. It's my show. That's why it's called The Tom Gully Show. You'll find that's why that happens. At any rate, special weekend edition of the program. Hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, Deborah Polardi's book, Sweetie, How Much Should I Give Up? How much? Man, I keep messing that up. How much should you give up to keep that relationship? I can answer that. And uh, we got to share it around now. So those of you who normally listen from our usual time, Monday through Friday, which is uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, bonus weekend edition. You're welcome. Uh, you're very welcome. That's okay. Don't worry about it. If uh, you're not listening live, you'll have to listen later. So you really should be listening live. Uh, this is a book about relationships, um, and it's uh, focused on young girls. So, uh, sweetie is certain to be the cure for every girl's 
currently trapped in dating violence. It's also certain to educate every girl not yet trapped in dating violence. So she can recognize it at the outset. So there you go. This is a very conversationally written book. And uh, it did help me touch my inner teenage girl a little bit. Um, it's just not easy to do. So that's how you know it's a good book. And uh, I highly recommend it. There you go. What do you think about that? And the author, Deborah Pilardi, will be with us here in just a few seconds. There's a, a notes section in the back, too, which I thought was kind of cool. For someone reading it, they could jot down things and see if they refer to their own situation. But, man, here's the thing. The main thing I thought when I read this book, and uh, it's not something I didn't think before I read the book, but it reminded me, is guys just aren't cool, especially when they're teenagers. <laughs> just not, you know, just not, just not cool, man. Um, just don't get it sometimes at that age. And... Uh, there's probably a lot of girls that go along with it because they don't have a lot of experience either. So they kind of put up with it. You should never do that. I always tell, I always tell, you know, girls that I know, it's like, man, if, if he's mean at all to you ever, take a hike. Just, just tell him to, there's a million well, actually, there's several billion guys on the face of the earth. You find another one that's that's good. You don't have to be stuck with... I think this is the calling question. Here we go. Hi, and welcome to the Tom Gully Show. Is this Deborah? It is. Deborah Pilardi, author of the book, Sweetie, How Much Should You Give Up to Keep That Relationship? I can answer that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me. <laughs> okay, so tell me a little about yourself. Give everybody an idea about just exactly who you are. Well, um, I'm a mother of five. I've been married for 32 years. I'm Italian and grew up in the New England area. Um, let's see. You're a comedian? I work as a comedian. I try to be a comedian. I don't know. I mean, no one's actually told me I'm not funny yet, but, you know, those <laughs> days might be coming. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm still trying. <laughs> Now, is Pilardi an Italian name, or is it? Is you married an Irish guy? Um, I it, he tells me it's French. Oh, okay. It's French. It sounds, so I don't know. Sounds I, very, very Irish to me. Deborah Pilardi. <laughs> well, it's really hard to say. I like it with the Irish accent. It's really hard to say. Um, so my, without sounding. A little off so my phone messages sound pretty off i've tried several times to make a phone message and it, i just left the one that 
that's finally there. <laughs> well, uh, you said you grew up in the New England area. Uh, are you yes. in? Are you in like Rhode Island or something like that? Yes, I'm in Rhode Island. I spent some time in Rhode Island. It's a nice state. I mean, I like it here. We have. I mean, we have a lot of stuff here. We don't have mountains. So when you hear people say how much they like their state, they say, well, I have mountains and ocean. And we don't really have mountains. We have hills. As a matter of fact, I live in, in uh, the town I live in is known for the hills, the hills. And believe me, some of them are steep, especially in the wintertime. You have hills that go almost straight down. I don't know how people drive down those. So we have, we have oceans and we have everything here. I mean, it is really a nice place to live. And Providence is an amazing city. It really is. It's just one of those cities that when you get there, it seems like it's calling out to you to come, come explore. Yeah, I love I, that's that's where I was at, Rhode Island College. So it was. Uh, yeah, yeah there are really nice there's there. some steep steep places in Rhode Island. Uh, I enjoyed the Newport Creamery and the New York System Wieners. And uh, yes. Yes. you got the, the Narragansett beer there? I'm assuming. Um, I, don't, I don't really drink the Narragansett beer. I'm, I'm sure it's delicious, though. I did. I was in um, college. I don't drink anymore. But uh, Okay, so what would make a, well, wow, mother of five. How many of those are girls? Three. Okay, and, and what's the... What's the spread there from the first child to the last child? Well, the first child is in his 40s. No, I mean, just the, my, you don't have to do that. I mean, I just, how many oh, years difference between the first one and the last one? 20. 20. Oh, wow. Man, that is an accomplishment. I <laughs> yeah. I, 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 if somebody would ask me, I would say to have your kids very close together. Don't space them out like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so how Catholic are you? Um, I, well, I go to church every Sunday. Okay. I just knew you were Catholic because of the five kids because I come from a family of six. But my mom, <laughs> my mom had six kids in seven years. Now, in her defense, the last one was a double shot. It was twins. Uh, and then I'm pretty, yeah, pr too. pretty sure her uterus fell out at that point in time. But uh, <laughs> You know, uh, what, what was it the fact that you had girls? Was that what made you write this book or was it your own experiences or both? I had an experience and book and actually because I had girls, um, I had an experience with, uh, dating violence years ago. I had, uh, gone out with this man and realized that the situation was not going to work for me and told him that we were breaking up and he did not uh, want that. So that he tried to convince me to go back out with him for five years. Wow. Where I was not going back out with him. I was, I mean, back then it was called being stalked. Um, he, he didn't know where I lived. He didn't know where I lived. I kept um, being careful going home. So for about four, almost five years in my apartment, he didn't, uh, he didn't find me. And then one weekend, the people on the first floor and the people on the third floor moved out, leaving me in the apartment house by myself. But I wasn't really worried. But that following Monday, um, I heard a knock on my door, and it was him. And, of course, everything all started again with the screaming and the, the hitting. And somebody had moved in upstairs, 
I didn't know, with a bag of cups in a sleeping bag. And so they came running down with a bat and chased him out. And so I wanted to thank him, so I married him. <laughs> oh, that's the guy you... Oh, that is awesome. I mean, it's a it's, the ending of the story is really, really cool. It's like a movie or something. Um, now, how old were you when this dating began with this guy? And was he... Because I know a lot of, of girls that will go out with a guy. Uh, I had a guest on my show one time, a doctor actually, and she said if a guy is like too romantic at the beginning and just is really grandiose and, uh, you know, like hyper too good to be true, that's not always a great sign. Right. That is true. That is true. Um, in, in my book, I do, I do talk about my book, by the way, is very short. It can be read in an hour, but in my book, I focus on why, women get trapped and just exactly how that manifests itself. And there are many reasons and some women actually suffer from all the reasons. And yes, too grandiose in the beginning is a sign because what happens is they try to have their fake personality as long as possible so that you don't know uh, what you're, you're, you're getting. And they, based on each individual person, they know how long they can last. So, if they can't last very long, they have to come in hot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, this is just my own observation. There's no, I have no proof of this, like most of the things I say. But when, for instance, when I was younger, when you're, you're younger, you try to put on sort of a, maybe a better than you are best foot forward but it's not necessarily extravagant. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey, I'm taking you to Paris this weekend or here's a diamond necklace or whatever. You're, you're just trying to sort of put your best version of yourself forward all the time. And because you want the girl to think you're cool, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. what we yeah. all, all guys hope. I think as guys get older, at least me, now I don't do any of that. None, zero. <laughs> it's like, hey, this is what you're getting. It's kind of yeah. like you've got a used car that you're trying to sell, so you have it painted and the, the over the rust spots and stuff. Uh, when when you're younger, um, what what was your experience that you had with this guy? I mean, was he was he bearable for a certain period of time? And what was the point where you noticed some of the warning signs? What are the the warning signs? Well, he was, he was really bearable. I mean, he seemed that, you know, he just realized he found the love of his life and he listened to every word and he wanted to spend all of his time with me and he didn't have any other interests outside being together, um, which most women think is the greatest thing they've ever heard. And um, that went on for a, a while till I thought, you know, this is, this is the greatest thing ever that could ever happen to me. And then what would happen is, you know, a friend of mine would call and say, hey, you want to go shopping or you want to do this or that? Or even my parents, my mom would call and he would not be happy about it. He would not want that at all. I mean, like at all. And he would he'd be upset about my friends. He would tell my tell me about the worst things about my friends that, you know, why they they don't care about me. I shouldn't hang out with them. And, you know, that kind of thing. And I think one of the biggest signs. He was at my house one day, and um, 
it was morning and I was pulling the shades up and he asked me why I was doing that. I said, well, I'm pulling the shades up. It's daytime. <laughs> and uh, like, well, who are you trying to see? Oh, wow. So I think that that really stuck out for me because he didn't even want me to pull my shades up in my in my house. Um, and I had had some some serious feelings before that. But it was when he said that I realized, you know, I started planning my escape. Right. Well, is the controlling thing. Uh, was it like when you would order stuff at a restaurant, he would, you shouldn't order that and all that, that kind of stuff. Cause I do know guys, they'll start dating a girl and I've never understood this. And, uh, let's say she belongs to her company bowling team or, or she has a, a standard, uh, Thursday night girls night out with all of her friends. And they're like, well, no woman of mine's going catting around on a Thursday night. And it's like, man, that's the way that she was when you met her. Why are you doing that? I don't understand. I just completely do not understand that that sort of uh, controlling behavior. Is that a part of it as well? Oh my gosh, the control is ridiculous. I mean, logic goes out the window. It, it, you your Thursday night girls' night out would be the first thing to go. I mean, he would have been like, it would have been like all about Thursdays. He would have had everything planned around Thursdays where you, you really wanted to be with him because he had this whole thing planned. Um, nothing. You cannot, no, some of the controlling is so bad in these relationships is that there's no makeup that you can't even visit your mother. You, it's just, it's just nothing. You end up losing everything except for, being with that person. And when he's not around, he has to go out and do stuff. Of course, right. everybody wants to. He's gonna, still going to want to do that. But he's going to set up your life so that you're too afraid to even take a phone call while he's not there. Now what? You know what I mean? Because what, he'll find out and you'll have, it'll be hell to pay. Right. And, and is it the thing too where, and I've seen this happen, where... Uh, a guy will be so creepy and like antisocial that in addition to you can't do things with your friends anymore, you know, there are, there are certain things you got to go to a christening or some big life event that when you do go to something and he's got to go along, of course, uh, he's so weird or creepy or antisocial that, your friends get alienated that way too. Oh yeah, it's it's terrible. I mean, it's to the point where you're you're in the car, you're afraid to look out the passenger side window because there might be somebody standing on the sidewalk when you drive by, and then you'll have to answer questions as to why you were looking in that direction. You know, I mean, Ugh. sometimes when I would be in the car with him, I'd be so afraid to look out the window, I wouldn't even know where we were. I mean, I'd be just driving, looking at just him or the floor or something, and I wouldn't even know where we were. Man, sometimes. What, now, what uh, what was like the first physical thing? I mean, was it dramatic or was it, you know, grabbing your arm or what? What was the first physical? Hey, man, that's way out of line. Yeah, it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't dramatic, so you didn't you didn't. Um, you didn't know. You didn't know. But I, when the first physical thing happened, 
by that time, I had already known that um, this is bad. I had already known that. Um, so, and I, and I believe that is the reason why that, that started. It was going to happen anyways, even if I hadn't already known. But I, I know that uh, he could feel me pulling away. So I think that is why the physical part started. Um, now, not all guys do this. But I was threatened with harm to my family when, um, you know, without my knowledge, I was I was told that something bad was going to happen to, you know, one of my siblings or something if, you know, if they wasn't, you know, compliant. It it, it got pretty hairy. That's it got pretty hairy. That sounds pretty bad. I uh, I have three brothers. I'm six five. They're all about my size. And one of my sisters had a boyfriend. She had been dating for a while. And he seemed like a really nice guy to us. I mean, we all liked him. And then one time after a date, he pulled up in front of our house and like didn't even hardly stop and push my sister out of the car. And she came in. She was upset. And we're like, hey, you don't need to be seeing him anymore. But she did. And the next time he came to pick her up for a date, he came in the house and all four of us were in the living room waiting for him and invited him to sit down and chat and uh, suggested to him that perhaps dating my sister was not a healthy option for him, Uh, (laughs) that he should not continue to do that. Now, did you have brothers or people in your life uh, that suspected this was going on or was he just really good at concealing it and I know on the part of the girl a lot of times it's probably uh, shame and uh, they they don't want to admit what's going on Um, by that time my family members did know but I was afraid to say anything to them because I didn't want them to get in the middle of it so I was protecting them uh, by not telling them, you know, how bad things were, were getting because I didn't want them to get in the middle of it. Now, if I had four brothers, <laughs> that would have been a whole different ballgame. Yeah. I did not. I was the oldest and uh, my brothers were younger and I was definitely not allowing that to happen with my brothers. Um, in my family, yes, they, they did suspect it. My grandfather did confront him one time on the porch uh, with a, a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't come back to the house after that, of course. I wasn't living there. I had my own place. Um, he didn't get back to my parents' house. But, um, no, I, I didn't say anything to my family because I didn't have um, four brothers that were over 6'5", or almost 6'5". That would have been amazing. However, some girls do have that resource, and they don't say anything still because yeah. of the reasons why people get trapped in this relationship. And there are many reasons. And they don't realize what is going on. They, they think that this is a, a situation that can be salvaged. Um, and one of the uh, you know, examples I'd like to give you is if you gave me a really powerful tool that I was using wrong, incorrectly, I would get hurt. Would that be a fair statement? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you ask anybody in the world what is more powerful of a tool than a mother's love. And people will say nothing. Nothing is more powerful. So what happens with these particular kinds of men is that they worm themselves into a woman's heart. Only the spot where you have for your children. 
that never gives up, never lets go, never never quits. And that is only meant for your children. Yeah. And somehow he got in there. And so a woman does not realize that is what happened. So she can't let go because 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 she doesn't realize that she's using the wrong place in her heart for this man. And I don't know how it happens. I don't know how that particular part happens, but that is what is happening. And it's not just that. I mean, there's all different kinds of reasons why you get trapped in this. Of course, you, you whittle down your self-esteem. Um, in my book, I, I it's so simply written. I mean, like I said, it can be read in an hour. Um, I talk about that kind of stuff, and I use the dictionary. That is all I use. And I say, when you're in a good relationship, you're going to thrive. So when you and I are talking about that, we know what thrive means. Right. But I stopped and put the definition in there. Thrive, it means to grow vigorously. And I do that throughout the whole book. And I talk about the fact that the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. So if you're at home making a tuna fish sandwich and you hear on the news that there's been a car accident or something, even if it's in your town over by your road and you you know it's nobody that you know. You're just going to continue making your sandwich and you don't care. That's completely indifferent to what's happened over there. So this man is indifferent to everything that's important to you mm-hmm. if you're the victim. He's indifferent to what you want, what you need. He's indifferent to your integrity, uh, to everything. That is the opposite of love. And I don't, uh, that's like really a broad statement in my book I get more detailed but um well no I think what what you say make I have I've said this for years and years and years and years and years if if love is the ultimate caring about somebody um the opposite of that is the total not caring because hate yeah. still has an, an element of engagement to it you're still engaged yeah. when you hate something. But when you say to yourself, that which is not for my greater good now fades from my life and it no, I no longer desire it, you know, those are the things that, man, I haven't thought of that person or that thing in forever because you just, uh-huh. you're indifferent. You, you just put it away completely. Uh, your book does a great job also. It's written very conversationally. But it, it asks questions of the person that's reading it, you know? And, and I think that's mm-hmm. very, very effective in your book. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's good to draw people into their own psychology by asking them a question, yeah. you know? And uh, that's what I like about it as well, is that uh, it really is a good way to get uh, a young girl to uh, do some self-examination because, as you say, uh, a lot of women have that element of them that's like, I can fix this. Uh, I can't yeah. give up on this. You know, he's, he's not a bad guy. He just needs a little more love or a little more right. assurance or, or whatever. Um, what what would you say are the the things to look out for right off the bat in addition to sort of the over grandiose stuff? Oh well, I mean, de- definitely that is that is it. But but let me just stop for a second and tell you that a lot of times with these guys, 
they'll say to uh, the woman, do you think you're just going to go out and do whatever you want? That is, seems to be a general question. It seems like uh, they have a conference that they go to where everyone knows the same thing. <laughs> Women will tell you, they've heard that. Do you think you're just going to go out and do whatever you want? Now, the victim will say, no, no, I'm not. But that is not the right answer. And I say that in my book. The right answer is yes. I'm going to go out yeah. and do whatever I want because I have integrity. And, and whatever I want is not going to harm our relationship. And so he's also indifferent to your integrity. He's indifferent to your ability and, you know, your respect. So a lot of girls would never think to say, yes, I'm going to go out and do whatever I want. But that is the correct answer. Yes. Well, I yeah, am. they're a person. I mean, you know, I've dated a girl or two. And that's one of the first things you got to realize is, Hey, this is another person. They they get to make their own choices. They get to they get to, they do get to do whatever they want. That's why you got to find somebody that does things that that you like you know like to do and that don't bother you. Uh, but yeah, that I when you when you when you say that, I've heard a lot of guys say that. You know, they say, "Well, she's not going to just go out there and do whatever she wants." It's like, well, what yeah. is what is yeah. she a, a pet turtle? <laughs> you know, I mean. Uh, it's the United States. Yeah, she gets to go do whatever she wants. So you should you should treat another person, be they a guy or girl. You should treat them so that you know they're not doing things that you don't want them to do. Well, of course. I mean, I've been married for thirty two years, and I go out and do whatever I want. And I've never once gone out and done anything that hurts our relationship, not one time. And I go out and do whatever I want because whatever I want has integrity. Yeah. You know, I'm. But the thing is. What, one thing that I've been told about my book is that it's intimate and personal. It's not yes. It's not testimonial for me. It's no. not technical or clinical. It's a letter to the person who's reading it. It's an intimate and personal book. When, when the person is finished reading my book, whoever reads it, the, for them, domestic violence is going to be destroyed. And if any, for everybody who reads my book, domestic violence will be destroyed. And one thing that's really important to note is that my biggest audience for this book is is not really the victims. Of course, that's definitely them, of course. But it's the family members that have given up. Mm-hmm. Because once they read my book, they will be horrified. Because they'll know that that person needs help. That they are trapped and they need outside external help. And they will feel like they have left their loved one on a raft out in the ocean. Because they said, oh, well, she must just like it. But if you're out in the ocean, you're trying to get somebody off a raft and they keep fallen away from you or the current has taken them away you don't say oh she must just like it out in the ocean you can see they're trapped and they need help they will run not walk to help this their person that they had given up on well and that's what i said early very early on is this book seems like a conversation it seems like you're sitting down and you're talking to somebody uh be they just starting to date or they're in a relationship starting a relationship or they're in a bad relationship uh Gemma stone one of our listeners from the united kingdom says uh abusers do that they threaten you and they can be master manipulators too uh which is very 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 true what are some of the things that a girl can do once she starts noticing the warning signs to either you know mitigate that or get out of the relationship well she has to get out if you are with somebody who is controlling 
who just wants you all to themselves and does not want you to be out in the world. You have to get out because these people do not change. I, I feel bad saying it, but they, this will never change. They could go and have all the uh, rehab that they want, and when they come out, they are going to be exactly the same as they are. If you call a, um, a place, where they'll say it's an 85% failure rate, which mm-hmm. means 50% success. And out of that 15%, if the people who got themselves down as success re-offend, and they will, that 50% stays in place. It is not 85% failure. It's much higher. It's in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's in the 90s. It's, it's yeah. you, he will never change. You have to give him up because, yeah. and a lot of women are so sad because this man is, the place in their heart for their love is shaped like this man and no other person can take that shape. So that their heart cannot be filled by another person. But it, they don't realize that your heart is like jello. So once he's out and he's out for a certain amount of time, another person will fill that spot. Yeah, I think as a guy, one of the most frustrating things, particularly when I was younger, uh, it probably should frustrate me now, but it doesn't. Uh, You see a really great girl with just a real jerk, controlling, you know, berating guy and you're just like what in the world is wrong with i mean what why is that happening why would she stay with him and uh you describe the reason why so what what can the girl do to get out what are some ways that are safe and constructive uh that can you know get her out of the relationship without more you know abuse well, well, sadly, the, when you get out of this relationship for a period of time, you're in more danger than you were when you were in the relationship. And uh, that is common knowledge. Um, it's, but it you have to be done. Right. And you need help. You need to get, you can't get out and just go live in an apartment by yourself someplace. You have to get your voicemail off of your uh, phone so that he can't even hear your, your voice. It has to be just the default voicemail. Naturally, you're going to have to block him. But it doesn't mean that he can't call from another number. He can't even hear the sound of your voice. Um, You have to be with uh, somebody else. You have to be be shrouded in protection, even if it means going to a shelter. Because you you cannot do this by yourself. You need help because these people are so adept at getting you to come back the the sorrow that they have for all that they've done, they say all the right things. And, that, and when you hear this, you're convinced that this is now finally passed, like a virus or something, where your your fevers are gone, and now oh, it's going to be so much better. Everything they say makes you think that. And none of it is true. When you're in a relationship with somebody like this, you have to you have to get out. You he has to go. You have to replace him with someone that who you're going to thrive with, grow vigorously, or else you're just going to continue to go on a downward spiral. And I do talk about how people go through a metamorphosis when they're going through these relationships. And after a while, your family members and your friends, if they do happen to see you out in the uh, the world, they don't even recognize you at first. You, yeah. You're so different. Yeah. Because you're being consumed. 
And like when you when you I, I mentioned this when you're being consumed, like if you're food, sometimes you're you're changed or you're gone. You're being consumed. Yeah. He has to consume you. That is his psychosis. Right. He has to. Well, and, and he acts like you're the most important thing in the world to him because you are. Yeah. Because you're his food and he's starving. Uh, he just lives off that energy. What is a protective order or uh, a restraining order? Is that because a guy that wants to hurt you or that wants to, you know, can't get over not being able to control you. There's a certain percentage of guys, if they get that legal document, they're like, oh, man, I better, you know, I'm in trouble now. I, and they stay away. But there's a certain percentage of other guys that that doesn't, that's just a piece of paper to them. Well, see, the thing is, that's a very important thing. You have to do that. Yeah. Because if he does break it, he can go to jail. Right. So that is a very powerful tool. I would never tell anybody, you know, just try to stay with him. Don't get that protective order. That is very important. Yeah. Um, that helps you. If when he breaks that, that helps you do something to further protect yourself. Um, you just, it, it would be so much better if they didn't, if they recognized early on before he thought of you as his next meal, you know, and one of the things, and this is, this sounds terrible, but the last thing they want to do is retrain somebody else. Okay. Yeah. They, they, if they think they have you, they're just going to continue to pursue you as if they just, love you so much there's just so much love in their heart they don't love you they are indifferent to everything that's important they love they love to feed that's what they love yeah they love the the control and the the you know it's that's just like i said that energy that that uh i'm in charge here i'm uh controlling another person kind of a thing um, you mentioned earlier that uh, you got a lot of feedback from family members and and uh, it's not just for the girl that's in the situation. What has the reaction to the book been overall? I mean, what kinds of responses have you gotten? Have there been any memorable ones that, you know, anecdotally oh, yeah. or uh, what, what what's the reaction to your book been? Well, I have had... So many people have like one different thing about the book they like so much. Just they, they'll say, this is my favorite part, or this is my favorite part. And everyone seems to have something that's different that stuck out at them. And they said, oh, this, this, really, this really moved me. And other people told me that they read the book, and then they, they have to read it again. Almost like when you see somebody that you love, and you have, you have lunch, and then you want to have another lunch because it was so much fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? They yeah. have to read it again because they want to go back and be back and, and have that conversation again so they, they i have people that read it over and over again because i i read it i, I read it that's that's right yeah. i wrote it short for yeah. a reason i do not have a problem with words i could have just kept on going but <laughs> i wanted it to be short it had to be it had to be short so i made sure that it was succinct and everything was in there and it focused on why you get trapped and definitely at the end um, it, you know, it tells you how to get out and stuff. And, and so it, it, the fact that it's short is one of the most powerful things about it. Right. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's you know, if, you, if, if this was the length of war and peace, it would be difficult, you know, 
to, <laughs> to but and, and it's concise it's to the point it's what you need to hear in a, a short period of time which is you know normally the best advice um you know uh do you do you make this available to shelters and places where women you know are needing help and have you ever had uh, an intervention with someone in your own life or that was recommended to you have you had a sit down with somebody where you where you dispense some of this advice oh yeah i there's a lot of people in my life that come to me and said you know, can I read your book? And I would give them my book. Mm -hmm. I would, and I have brought my book many times to uh, shelters, you know, four and five at a time, and tell them if they need more to let me know. And for a period of time here in my town, the um, the police chief was using it in uh, self-defense classes. And at one point, she called me up. And she goes, oh, my God, I'm out of books. I tried to get them. And they said there was a certain amount of waiting period. And I made sure that I, I called my publisher and made sure she got them overnight. Um, so I, I do whatever I can to help people. Um, it, I'm telling you, if my book was out there, and, and anybody can buy my book. You can buy it on Amazon.com. You can buy it at the publisher. Um, you can have it in just four or five days, um, and anybody can buy it. Uh, so if anybody who reads my book, domestic violence will be destroyed. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's instantaneous like a bomb, but what happens is the, the information gets in, and you can't not know what you read. It's that it's written that simply. Right. You can't. Well, guys, if you absorb full absorption. Guys of this age have their own special set of of, of issues, but uh, I think anybody that's teenager, maybe even early twenty, early early twenties, um, part of the the problem is that they don't have enough self validation. And so I think a lot of people validate themselves because I've seen um, uh, guys. Guys are a little different. They they will put themselves through the ringer over a girl that really doesn't care about them. That's just sort of using them. You know, it's just sort of like, ah, he pays lots of attention to me. He'll do anything I say. So. Uh, I'm not that crazy about him. I might even, you know, be dating around uh, behind his back. And if he finds out, I really don't care. And uh, but, but especially with girls, I've seen a lot of girls that are with guys just because they have to be with somebody. They feel like I have to be with somebody uh, or I'm not desirable. That's like proof to them. Um, so when they get in a bad situation that's just another thing that makes it difficult for them to get out of it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And like I said, there are, there's more than one reason. And I, and I mentioned all the reasons. And some of these uh, victims are suffering from all the reasons. All the reasons mm -hmm. simultaneously. You know, and, and that's why certain people will read my book and they, they pick out one thing. They pick out one thing that, that just seems to touch them. And it's something different for, for everybody. I've gotten letters from... Congress, a congressman who will remain nameless uh, that I sent it to, and the letter that he wrote me back, I knew he had experienced this in his in his family, the way he described my book. Mm -hmm. I knew he had experienced it as a child, watching his parents. Now, you definitely don't want to stay with him long enough to to have children with him and stuff, but um, I'm not sure why I'm hearing banging. I apologize for that. Do you hear it? 
No, I I'm do not. I apologize. No, I, uh, I, can't, I can't hear nothing. Okay. There uh, we go. <laughs> but uh, I, I just, just recently, and I don't live in a very populated area, but there's just a beautiful, really cool girl. She's probably in her mid-20s. And she's just kind of going from just these grungy, not really doing anything with their life kind of outskirts of society, you know, probably staying home and playing video games all day. And they're in their early thirties. They're older than her uh, guys. And it's like, uh, I, I, I told uh, somebody the other day, they, they'd brought the subject up and I said, if that was my sister or a daughter I would sit them down and say, what are you doing? Your standards are here. They need to be way up here. And it's not the worst thing to be not dating somebody. You know, uh, there's a secret of life, which is uh, learn how to be alone without being lonely. And then when somebody really worthwhile comes along, that's when you want to start dating. And uh, I think it's I think it's difficult for young people to do that, you know, because they've been socialized so much all through high school, and if maybe if they went to college, uh, and certainly in a smaller town, that it's it's almost a pathological need. I have to be dating somebody; it doesn't matter who they are. Uh, and it's like, no, 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 just wait, 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 wait for the right person. I actually know a, a famous famous person, a, a woman that had gone through a very, very bad relationship and then a very well-publicized bad marriage and, you know, was talking to her. And, I mean, this is a household name person. And I said, you know what? If, if you wait for the right person, when you meet that person, they will constantly have your best interests at heart. It won't be something they have to force themselves to do. It will be something that's a part of the person that they are. And when that happens, all these other jerks are going to seem like a bad dream. And then about six months later, she meets a guy. Now they're married, super happy, all that stuff. And that's that's another thing that's hard to tell people. Uh, because you can't just walk up to somebody at the grocery store and say that, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think it, I, I know you did read it. I'm not sure if, if, um, you know, but when you read it, didn't you get that underlying feeling that even if you were in domestic violence, that once you've read my book, that you would actually come up, come upon those feelings yourself. Even if, even if you were never in a bad relationship, that you need a good relationship. And here's all the reasons about you. Here's, here's what's important. You know what's important to you. That you, it'd be better to stay alone. I've had people tell me that who were not in a bad relationship. They just read my book. They wanted to read it. They were curious. And I said, well, you know what? This kind of changed my mind about dating altogether. I'm I'm willing to wait now for the right person rather than um, you know go dating the wrong person and let um just to kill time because you know sometimes when you're killing time with the wrong person, you're gonna stuck with them. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely felt that way uh, when I was reading the book. I, I, I think the, um, you know, 
that that was a hard thing for me personally to learn when I was younger is that you know dating for the sake of dating after you go on <laughs> if you're as picky as I am excuse me uh you go on a date with somebody that you just went on a date to go on a date with, and you're like, that was a waste of three hours of my life. I'll never get back. Three that, hours. <laughs> you know, that, that, well, you know, you go to dinner and then you go maybe to a movie. You know, it's whatever it, whatever it is. And plus, some, some bad dates like to, to, to talk. You know, it's like you go to the dinner and then they want to have coffee and then they want to go to a walk. Hey, I went on a date one time with the girl um we got set up this was a fix-up date and uh, she was a pharmacist and she was late for the 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 dinner uh, not that late nothing egregious you know uh, and she goes i'm sorry i'm running late i i had such a great fun day and uh and i said oh really what'd you do and she goes i got to go on a uh, on a drug bust for a prescription offender with the police then i immediately went I don't know if we're going to have so much fun at this date. And then the next thing she said was she told me that uh, her dog had pus coming out of its eyes. Now, look, I like animals and everything, but at a first date dinner, probably not the greatest thing to open with. And then, so we have the dinner and, okay, hi, yeah, it was nice meeting you, blah, 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 blah. I'm walking down the street and there's a CD store. Remember those? And uh, yeah. I, I, I was a freak for CD. I got like 800 CDs here. So I go in with the plan to get over my really not fun date by savving myself in, you know, 10 or 12 CDs. And I'm there. I'm buying things. Guess who shows up? It's this girl. She goes, yeah, I just, I was, uh, you know, pulled out of the parking lot. I saw you walking in here. I thought I'd come in and join you. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a nice guy. So I'm like, oh, really? Great. Well, what kind of music do you like? She goes, oh, Barry Manilow and the Carpenters. And I went, <laughs> good one. And she wasn't, she wasn't joking. So I was probably in, I was probably looking through the Ramones at the time. I'm like, okay, whatever. But some of the dates go on a little longer. And, but that's the point is it's like, don't just go on a date. I mean, there's sometimes when you just go, yeah, why don't I give this? This seems like a nice person. And you're finding out with a date, nothing wrong with that, but just like dating because you're bored or you feel like you should be with somebody, that's not a good reason to be dating someone. Well, let me tell you something. Um, I, of course, I haven't dated in a long time, but uh, people who um, are manipulators and controllers, like what we were talking about, these people are charming. They have a lot of friends. Uh, people like them. It's part of their... They're, 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 they're sociopaths. Yeah, well, you have like a spider web. The spider, the spider wants to catch flies. They use the, the web to catch flies. And everything that out there that wants to catch their food, they have these different tools to catch their food out and whatever, wherever you're talking about. This particular situation, this person has it, his tools. Yeah. Now, I, I, meant to say, I meant to say this book is actually great for every community, even including the LGBTQ community. Um, I do plan to, um, you know, edit it 
so that people who want to buy it can buy it with um, their own pronouns and, and stuff that's important to them. And um, I don't have it that way right now, so I apologize for that for anybody who buys. But that is something that I plan to do later on so that when you go ahead and order it, you can order it based on you because it is a letter to you. But like I, but back to what I was saying, they have their own tools, like a spider web. Yeah, that one's a, a really good one because you can see yourself getting trapped in it. They're charming. They're nice. They're smart. They, they just know what they're doing. And you right. really have to know that. You really have to know that because it, it is dangerous. Well, and that's part of their reluctance to find a new victim and start all over and retrain them is they know not every yeah. single girl they meet will they be able to manipulate in that way right but just because you're a girl who they can manipulate doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that particular person um when people get trapped in domestic violence they think oh what is wrong with me oh Nothing. how did i let this happen it is not really anything that is wrong with her per se. No. I mean, it could be a time in her life where she's she's a little uh, more vulnerable or, you know, needy or whatever. Everyone has those times. And it's not about your education or your intelligence or anything. It, it is just, it, like I said, it, the book, when you read the book, it will destroy domestic violence. Right. It will destroy it because you cannot not know what you read. I mean, people have read paragraphs and just read every last word. And at the end, you can say, well, what did you read? I have no idea. Uh, but, um, with my book, you can't not know what you read. Everything is absorbed because of how it's, how it's written and how I use the dictionary and how I'm just talking to you intimately. Well, and the insidious thing about what they do is they prey upon someone's good nature. They actually yeah. prey upon a, a positive attribute. It's a positive attribute of a person to be loyal or to try and uh, uh, help someone that that has uh, you know problems, like uh, they you know they're abusive or they they're emotionally insecure or whatever else it happens to be. Those aren't negative traits. Those are positive right. traits, and they they sort of prey upon those. Uh, otherwise, they can't can't do what they they want to do. You know, if, if somebody didn't have any empathy in their soul, then then they they you know they wouldn't be able to do anything because that person would just go, "Hey, see ya. I don't care what happens to right. you." Right, uh, right. And another thing too, a lot of times when you have somebody who's trapped in domestic violence, people will say, "Well, you should hate him after what he did to you." And women are not, um, women are, they don't feel that way. They still feel love yeah. for the person. You know what I mean? So um, they think, what is wrong with me? But the person who is an abuse, is in an abusive relationship, they, um, they were in it for real. That's the reason. You know what I mean? That's the reason yeah. why they still feel love. They, they will learn that they cannot have this relationship. You know what I mean? Right. But, were any of your daughters but, uh, uh, dating when you wrote this book? I wrote this a long time ago when my uh, my first daughter was a baby. Uh -huh. I, I know it sounds weird. I wrote it when she was a baby. I was looking at her one night, um, uh, and I just looking at her eyes, and she was just so beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like saying, oh, my God, if all goes well, um, 
she's going to be older and be in this situation. It was just in the middle of the night, looking into her eyes. She was only a baby. And um, I, that's when I realized I had to write something to her. So I wrote her this big, long letter to give to her later. And, you know, it blossomed from there. She'll be, you know, a little longer than what it is now. But when my friends found out about the letter that I wrote to her, they wanted to read it. And, and I was giving my friends all the, the letter and they're like, oh, this is so beautiful. Can You know, I'm going to make a copy and give it to my friends. And so it really was a letter to one daughter who was an infant at the time, just looking into her eyes at night when she woke up. Did you, you know, for did, her to eat. when she started dating, did you just like hand a copy of this book to the guy at the door? No, no, no. Um, I, I spent a lot of time talking to her. And I spent a lot of time talking with her friends and everything. Her friends actually were more receptive. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, it, when, if you've got a plumber, who's your husband's a plumber, and uh, you, you, you have plumbing issues, and no one, you, you can't get yours fixed because he's too busy. Yeah, you well. Know, sometimes your daughters don't want to hear what you yeah. have to say, but their friends, their friends were always interested in what I had to say. No, and Matt- my kids, my girls are all grown up now, and they, they listen to me now. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Any parent will tell you there no, was a time where my kids wouldn't listen to me, but their friends did. That's that's the sometimes your parents can give you incredible advice, but if a teacher or even an aunt or an uncle or somebody else gives you that advice, uh, especially when you're a teenager and your parents are sometimes on your case a lot, you know, get your damn feet off the couch and all that, uh, it, it it carries more weight. You just don't want to hear certain things from your parents, you know. It's uh, sometimes yeah. better if somebody else uh, gives you that advice. And it's weird, too, because then when you get, like, 25 or a little beyond that, then you your parents' advice is, like, you're kind of on more equal footing. So it's mm-hmm. like then, then you want the advice. Then you're happy to have that conversation. But uh, there's, a, right. there's a certain period when you're just like, eh, come on, Dad, not in front of the guys. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, anyway, so where can people get this book? They can get this book from, um, my publisher, which is authorhouse.com, um, but they can also get it from any place, like even amazon.com. Just put my name in there, Deborah Pilardi, or put the title in there, sweetie. How much should you give up to keep this relationship? I can answer that. Um, it has yellow sunflowers on it. Oh, and, I'm uh, holding it up right now. Morning, right? There it is. There's the book. It has a silhouette of an abusive relationship. And it's Deborah J. Pilardi. What's the J stand for? Jean. Um, okay. I used my middle initial for so many years after I got married because my sister-in-law is named Deborah Pilardi. Um, her middle name happened to be my maiden name. So that didn't oh, wow. help either. <laughs> so that is why I adopted the J, um, Deborah J. Pilardi, because people would get us confused. So is, I mean, it just kind of stuck. Is the uh, is the sister-in-law older or younger than you? She's younger, and now she's married, so she doesn't See? even have that. She doesn't even have that last name anymore. But she was not married for a long time. After I did get married, because she you, is a, a lot younger. You would have been well within your rights to go, hey, man, I had it first. So, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's weird. My husband and I have this 
this weird uh, thing where we have so much stuff that's the same or that makes no sense that we'd be like, oh, yeah, me too, or oh, yeah, me too. Like, I hear, um, I have three sisters. He has three sisters. I'm Deborah. He has a sister named Deborah. I have a sister named Linda. He has a sister named Linda. My Our father's worked in the same place. Really? Um, I have a grandmother named Aura. He has a grandmother named Nora. Um, the street names that where they lived, even though they were two different states, were the same. And then at one point, I started getting really competitive. I said, my brother, my father had an older brother that died tragically. And he goes, my father had an older brother that died tragically. So you'd have to stop it. I said, my <laughs> father's brother's name was Norm. He goes, my father's brother's name was Norman, too. Um, Not the same pe- person. Hold on. But <laughs> hold the phone. <laughs> My father's name is Norman. Oh my god! It's getting it's getting worse. <laughs> it going. It's getting it worse. worse. Everybody called him Norm though, but or Stormin Norman. He was Stormin Norman before Schwarzkopf. But uh, wow! And the thing about I want to delve into this a little bit. The the thing about like your your husband being just happens to be and i've done this before too i've moved into an apartment and you know maybe my stuff was being moved and it's going to arrive in you know four or five days i've gone in with a sleeping bag or a blanket and a pillow and just stayed there for a couple of days the fact that he was there and came down with the baseball bat that is so i don't know I don't want to say romantic, but that's that's so like wow. What that I know. that's kismet right there because you know yeah. some really wimpy guy that, that would have just cowered in the corner could have moved in there, you know. Well, I hadn't had a date in five years because all my friends in my circle knew about what was going on, and nobody would go out with me, so I hadn't had a date in five years. Um, and I was pretty lonely, but that is not the reason why. I mean, we've been married for 32 years. We've been happily married, but I just want to mention, he still has that bat. Really? He still has that. Yes, he does. Is it an <laughs> aluminum or a Louisville Slugger or what it's is wooden. it? It's wooden. It's wooden bat. It's probably a Louisville Slugger. Uh, I do have to say, <laughs> I do have to say that, um, you know, Hey, I came down with the baseball bat and saved you from an abusive guy. You want to go out? That's only like it's a guaranteed at least coffee. No, well, actually, that isn't even how it happened. Um, I didn't even see him that day. I ran back in the house. All I saw was his feet in the back of him. Um, and I ran in the house. When I heard him come up the stairs, I apologized for the door. I said, I'm sorry. This, this has never happened before. He didn't realize that this was the first time he had found my house. And uh, he, I don't know, I just heard some mumbling or something, and he went back upstairs. And um, the next day, the landlord came over to talk to me about it. He goes, you know what? He would be perfect for you. <laughs> and I was really upset. I was upset with my landlord because he had, saw me up there for five years, know that I had never even brought a person over to my house. So he's suddenly deciding who's perfect for me. And um, <laughs> that same day, I pull up in front of my house, from somewhere and I see a car I don't recognize I know it's him I know yeah. it's his car and I get out start walking into the house but he was in the car so his door popped open and he gets out and I couldn't believe how tall he was he's almost six five I'm five feet tall and so I just walked over to him and you know I introduced myself and I thanked him and stuff 
And, uh, of course, I was very rusty at dating or flirting, and I said, you're so tall. Do you play basketball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things to say. And he looks down, and he goes, do you play miniature golf? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. That and it was awesome. right then I realized, oh, maybe the landlord's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... So do you remember your first conversation about what had actually happened? Um, it was, it wasn't even right away um, right. because the landlord, because he didn't even ask me out. Cause I, I apologize for this. If anybody's upset when they hear this, but I was 26 at the time and he was 18. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. If I was, um, if I was an 18 year old, I'd think I died and went to heaven, man. That'd, that'd be awesome. <laughs> But the landlord wasn't taking uh, no for an answer, okay? He saw that we weren't even going out. You know, we were, we were, he started telling um, him that I liked him. He started telling me that he liked me. And none of that was actually being conversed with, with the landlord. Right. So He's... finally he asked me out because, you know, because the landlord said, said there was a love connection between us. Yeah. Uh, and we went out and I felt a giant drink on his lap to the point where he was sitting in a, a lake. And uh, I ran, <laughs> I ran to get um, napkins to to dry him off. And I realized, oh my god, I don't want to invade his privacy. We just this is our first date, so I yeah. came back with a stack of napkins that was almost a foot tall. And um, when I'm dabbing his his uh, pants, my hand is like right at his eyes. That's how many napkins I had. And he goes, "What are you doing?" I said, well, I, I don't want to invade your privacy. I'm really sorry about this. He goes. I can do it. I can evade my privacy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. So he asked me out again for whatever reason. And I spilled another drink on his lap. This time it was a scorpion bowl. You know, I'm Italian. And when I get nervous, I I talk with my hands anyways. When I get nervous, they they start swinging around. (laughs) Um, This time I just got the napkins and he ended up doing that. God, two dates in a row, you spilled a drink on his lap? Yes, and then of course when he brought me home, he had to bring me to his house because I lived downstairs, so that's a bit awkward. Um, and on our third date, the car breaks down. Now he was driving a stick; I can drive a stick. And so he goes, um, "Get in the get in the car. I'll push, and then just pop the clutch." Now I know how to pop the clutch. Okay. But I was so afraid to. Because his car was like angled towards a pole, the way it, the way it stalled. Yeah. And I said, no, I, I don't want to pop the clutch. I'm afraid I'm going to hit the pole uh, when I, when we pop it. And um, his his fellow advice is, well, don't hit the pole. <laughs> don't hit the pole. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm going to push. So I decide I'm going to push the car. Um, now and when I'm five feet it, tall, I'm pushing the car, I realize the car's on a slight incline. But you don't realize that when you're when you're there, so for whatever reason, even though it's white tails, because I had to wear white tails because I'm only five feet tall, right. I somehow get the car moving, and when he pops the clutch, I forgot that the car was going to take off. So I fell forward. I fell into the road, and I rolled into a little ditch that was next to the, <laughs> next to the where we were. No problem. I get up and I start walking out of the ditch but before th- that happened this guy had come around the corner to see me roll into the ditch so he thought he was witnessing a crime <laughs> of a man just throwing a girl into a ditch oh man so before i get to the car he was already yelling at him saying 
you know, about what was going on. And I come up and like, oh, no, no. And I tried to explain to him about the, the, the um, popping the clutch and the pull and everything. And finally, everybody stopped talking at once. And the guy goes, so you're fine? I said, yeah, I'm fine. And I got in the car. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I, I do not know why he continued to ask me out. In the, really in the second edition of Sweetie, how much should you give up to keep that relationship? I can answer that. You need to include the uh, pro, the uh, epilogue of everything you just told me about, uh, <laughs> you know, what happened, you know, that because because uh, all this other advice is really invaluable. But when you when you give that part of the story, it's just like the gold at the end of the rainbow. Man, oh, man. That's when <laughs> when's Adam Sandler and uh, uh, Drew Barrymore going to do the movie of the beginning of your guys' relationship? <laughs> well, it's funny that you should ask that because I actually wrote a screenplay, which is really not, a, it's really it's fiction. It's, it's called My Name is Not Mary Flanagan. But it's definitely, um, it's definitely, he is my muse. So the man in this screenplay is him. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, wow. How long did you date before you guys got married? Four years, four years, and we got married. Um, so we, I've been married 32 years, so it's like 36 years we've been together. It turns out, I mean, he really did like me. That's why he kept asking me out, even though, <laughs> even though the dates were, the dates started going better after that, as you can imagine, because <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't so. as nervous. So, um, you know, I calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> I when I when I first very first moved to Dallas uh I I went on a date with a girl that actually was a waitress at a place I ate lunch every day and uh she would like she had started bringing me my order and then wouldn't let me pay for it and I I didn't really like that I was like no I you you don't need to pay for my stuff uh, you know uh and and it kind of i don't know I, it it wasn't so much i'm not like that old-fashioned it was just i don't like that level of control over me i'm like no i can pay for my my chicken fried chicken or whatever it was and uh so finally she asked me out and i said now see that's better let's go out so we went on a date and uh, she was in a very, very, very controlling and abusive relationship. And while we were on the date, uh, I had parked at her house and we walked to this this area of Dallas called Lower Greenville. It's got, you know, bars and restaurants and things. And so while we were out on the date, her uh, ex-boyfriend, who was an electrician, had taken some electrician's tool that you use to punch through drywall. drywall. And uh, I had a Mercedes. He punctured all my tires. Oh. And, and when we yeah. got there, when we got back to her house, the police were there because a neighbor had called and saw him doing this. He was skulking around at first. And so um, our first and and last date uh was basically those two cursing at each other with a policeman holding him back and me talking to another officer about pressing charges and all that yeah right yeah, as, i can see that scene 
perfectly. Not as good I as get your. To see your, it perfectly. Not as good as your story. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, that's why nobody would go out with me because all my friends knew I had a. a I had this person who was talking to me, and no one, no one that I knew in my circle would go out with me. And then after a while, of course, I was afraid to subject some innocent person to um, to whatever was going on with me. So I just decided not to date anybody. But with him, he had already taken him on with a bat, so it was free. I was free to date him, um, and that was probably one of the reasons why I was so nervous. It's like, oh my god, I finally have someone who's willing to date me, and he's not afraid of this guy. And of course, I was so nervous, and you know, I almost messed the whole thing up. <laughs> did you Did you find out what your now husband said to the guy when he came down with the bat? Or I guess if you run down with a bat, you don't have to say a whole lot, do you? No, he didn't say anything. He just he just chased him in the. He got to his car in time and, t- and took off. And, you know, this is a very important point. I'm glad you mentioned this because this made me so angry because it turns out that he was a coward. And they really are yeah. down deep, all yeah. cowards, yeah. because he never came back to bother me again because one person took him on. Yeah. I could have saved five years of my life if I had just been brave enough to mention it to somebody in my family who would have helped me but i was too afraid i was afraid something would happen to him i didn't know he was a coward yeah most bullies are and they most of them are yeah most bullies are cowards you don't find too many bullies that aren't cowards uh well uh Let's see here. We got we got your plug in for you go to Amazon or you said authorhouse.com? Yes. Yes. And uh this is a this is really a great book. I I uh I was trying to think of ways to make this funny, but it wasn't uh really the proper subject matter. Uh, well, but, but I think it, if, you, if you you remember, I did I did have some stuff that I wrote in there. You could see that I did have a sense of humor. Right, right. Well, and and uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, and by the way, we were on that thing last week, and I said it's not exactly war and peace. I wasn't. That was a, a reference to the length of the book, not uh, right. not the quality of it. I hope you got that. I thought about it later, and I thought, oh, oh man, that would that. I hope she didn't think I was insulting her book because I wasn't. Uh, but it is very short. Yeah. It's very to the point. It's very conversational. It is very, very uh, personal and intimate. And uh, sweetie, how much should you give up to keep that relationship? I can answer that. Um, yeah. Deborah J. Uh, Polardi. Is there anything else you want to you want to put out there before we wrap things up and you get to go have your Saturday? I assume with the love of your life. Yes. Uh, he, as a matter of fact, he just walked in quietly and gave me a Dunkin' Donut iced coffee for like one second ago. <laughs> you, um, you got it you know, good there. It's just if if people would want to talk to me. I'm always open to talk to people. I mean, absolutely. Anyone ever would read my book and have questions for me. I'm on Facebook, and they could get to, get to me that way. I'm open to talk to anybody, any any help that I can give people. But I know that once they read my book, domestic violence will be destroyed. And like I said, it's not like a bomb. It just goes in, it settles, it spreads out. The information finds its way to the proper place, and then you realize that you are so valuable that you are so important 
to yourself, to your community, that you need a good relationship. Cool. You know. Well, thanks for spending the time with us on a on a Saturday morning, and uh, thank you. We will uh, remind people of the book. I'll put it on my podcast page, and we'll get the word out there. Deborah J. Pilardi, thanks for the time. Thank you so much, Tom. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate this so much. Yeah, no problem. Have a good day and enjoy your iced coffee. <laughs> Wish I had somebody. Well, you have a good day too. I gotta make my own iced coffee. You're a lucky woman. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was nice, Deborah J. Flaherty. I tell you what, really great book. And uh, if you know someone. Ooh that's in a situation like this or you suspect it or you want to keep it from happening, get the book, Sweetie, How Much Should You Give Up to Keep That Relationship? I Can Answer That by Deborah J. Pilardi. And uh, it's it's a short book, but you know what? It is uh, really straight to the point. And uh, she said it yourself. When you read this, you can't not know what you read. It, and uh, it's very engaging. It asks you a lot of questions and, and makes you consider things. And uh, highly recommend this for any uh, teenage girl. It, it, I would say give it to somebody before they start dating. And uh, certainly if, if they're in a relationship with a guy that's not it's not a good dude, you know. What are you going to do? The kid ain't got no mother. Eh? Anyway. That's going to do it. Uh, Gemma Stone says, sounds like a good book. It is a good book, Gemma. Thank you. Thank you for uh, noticing that. With that being said, now I got to find an outro song for this. I didn't. I didn't have any really a wealth of uh, relationship based. Uh, let's see what what would be appropriate. Oh, I, I. You know what? I I could play a cautionary tale song. I'm gonna play a cautionary tale song. I'm gonna play Black Eyed Jane by uh, Lou Vargo, which is just a about a woman that didn't get out of the relationship that just kind of hangs around. So uh, Lou Vargo, Black Eyed, oh, that's Black and White, but there it is, Black Eyed Jane, uh, which I understand was number 46 in Belgium. Thank God for the Belgians. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Tom Gully Show. Special weekend edition. We'll be back Monday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, actually Monday through Friday of next week. Uh, with that being said, that's all we got. Thanks to Gemma Stone and to the Honorable Jen Coffee for coming into the chat room while we were doing this. Until next time, we will see you next time. This is a song that, uh, that I wrote a, a while back that my old band did. It was on our first record. It was, went to number 43 in, in Belgium. God bless the Belgians. It's called Black Eyed Jane. It goes like this. Black-eyed Jane, she sticks around 
One more year come and gone Ain't no change In my black eyes Jay. Love oh, Black eyes You never wanted it to fade Living out an empty room Black eyed Jane, she just says, poor black eyed Jane. Black eyed Jane paints her walls every year. But it don't matter much when your head is behind all your fears. Jane, she sticks around, sticks around, and she never leaves. And 20 years is coming and gone. Still no change in my black eyed Jane. Love, black eyed Jane. Never wanted it to fade. So every night, an empty room. Different room, black eyed Jane. She says, Poor black eyed Jane. No, poor black eyed Jane. You never wanted it to fade. You never wanted it to fade. You never wanted it. 